When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode of big drive energy as we know john rom is now on the live tour if you didn't check out our episode a live episode the other day reacting to him moving over check it out on our youtube big drive energy pod we're going to talk about the fallout uh and now that the dust has settled kind of what this looks like for the pga tour moving forward what this looks like for rom and the live tour moving forward um we're also going to talk about uh some costco hitting the market with some clubs and kind of what this means for the general manufacturer market. We, uh, Mitchell was hot on the, on the Twittersphere the other day talking about this, got a lot of comments that we'll, we'll read some of the comments uh, from different people from Twitter. And, uh, then we're also going to talk about, like you said, the PGA tour, what ROM moving means for players on the PGA tour as well. And what they're looking at coming into this next year, there was a pretty big, uh, article essentially written, um, and then also some people talking about out about Rory McIlroy regarding uh, him being quote unquote bought and paid for, and all this is brought to you by our great friends over at Pins and Aces. I'm rocking the comfy waffle sweater. It's cold here in Colorado right now, but not cold if you're rocking the waffle sweater from Pins and Aces. Mitchell's got the quarter zip on. Both got the classic white spade hat. Nothing better than that. Um, and they're still, I, I bet, you know, it, when we were recording this episode, it's the 13th of December. Uh, I bet you they're still getting stuff to you by Christmas. So make sure to check out pinsandaces.com. Use our promo code BDE, which will save you 15% off. You can get great gifts for that golfer in your life. They've also got a, a holiday sweater, um, which if you're tuning into our YouTube this Friday, festive Friday, you'll see me in the pins and aces holiday sweater. Um, I've worn it to multiple Christmas holiday parties and will continue to do so. Super comfortable, golf-related. It's got some uh, different text of birdie, par, whatever on it, as well as pins and aces, a little train. So make sure you're checking them out. And they have the app now. If you don't have the app, download that. There's always exclusive deals and discounts on the app. So check it out, pinsandaces.com. Use our promo code BDE for as a promotion code. And you're going to save 15% off your entire order if they're not doing some sales. So check it out, pinsandaces.com, promo code BDE. 
All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> Buddy, we're getting closer and closer to the holidays. We're about to be hanging out this weekend. Before we get into golf, let's talk about your week. How was it? What did you do? Anything exciting? Any? Uh, what's the weather like out there? Let's go full old man mode on it. Um, so the weather's actually pretty nice out here relatively. It's like probably low to mid 40s, and today it's sunny out. Um, it's supposed to get into the 50s the next few days. So, I mean, really nothing to uh, complain about out here. I saw a stat that <clears throat> um, this is one of the longest snow droughts for the East Coast in like recent history they haven't had an inch or more of uh snow accumulated on the ground in like i want to say five years so really this region hasn't gotten any snow of any significance within the last five or so years um so it is kind of insane like you almost feel like if we were in colorado you could go out and play golf uh but then the wind here is just brutal it gets so fucking cold um and just the humidity in the air definitely changes it up a little bit but i uh i got my car back so that was nice i got rid of the rental car uh over with that whole fiasco so i was texting you about this but initially when i took my car in to get quoted for i just i got no like a tiny little fender bender um it like broke one of my little lights it's not even like a, a, how would you explain? I don't even know how to explain it. It's one of like, a, it's, a, it's a turn light or it's a turn signal, I think, but it's um, like really not even a, a, a light of any importance. It's kind of like for aesthetics. Um, so that got broken and like a few little dings in the bumper. So initially the quote was like $1,600 and I'm not paying for any of this, by the way, thank God. Uh, so then they reach out to me after they took it apart last week and they go, uh, yeah, it's actually the inside of your bumper is fucked. Like they had to order all these parts. Luckily it still only took them a week, but I saw the final quote. It was like $4,500. And I was pretty shocked that just for that little bumper, like little dent in the bumper, broken light, I figured it'd be somewhere in the $1,500, $2,000 range, $4,500. So that was absurd. Um, thank God I, I didn't have to pay that out of my pocket and they detailed my car for me, which was great. Like super nice of them. Uh, my car looks super nice now. I'm stoked about it. So I am, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy other than that. Uh, so Missy and I 
are doing Christmas over the next few days before we head out to Colorado. So my gift giving start or gift giving and receiving starts tonight. We're each going to open one gift tonight, another one tomorrow night, and then the rest of them Friday night before I head out on Saturday. So, oh damn, just a little early Christmas, and then you just parlayed into a regular Christmas. That's yeah, incredible. I almost feel like it almost it's like I'm not 100% positive what Hanukkah is fully. But if I had to guess, I'd feel like this is kind of what Hanukkah is. Isn't it like eight straight days of opening one gift or something like that? Yeah, I think I don't think it's as much. Well, maybe it is gift related, um, but I think there's just like a sort of a celebration every single day for a, a few days leading up to um, it's can't be Christmas Day, right? Is it Christmas Day? Is that the same scenario? No, or is it a completely different thing? It's just a around the same time. I think there's eight days of Hanukkah. If I'm not mistaken, I could be off on that, but. So yeah, I just opened in presents, giving presents eight straight days in a row. Sounds, sounds fire. I, uh, cause then you don't like ruin it. You know, we've ruined a Christmas before by just ripping everything open on Christmas Eve. Uh, it's kind of just, uh, you're easing into it, you know, not just jamming it in there, getting it all done in one day. You're, you're, you know, got a little foreplay, then you ease into it, and and it's nice and nice and smooth sailing until you head out, and uh, and then you get to leave your gifts there instead of like opening them on Christmas here, and then we're already gonna have to ship you back a massive box. But uh, it kind of takes that some of that headache out of the out of the picture. Oh yeah, absolutely. And in my opinion, as I get older, I would actually prefer to open presence is more spaced out like one per day for an extended period of time because then I, I hate when you just rip all your presents open in like a 15 20 minute span and then it's over and you're like holy shit I I waited 364 days to get to this you know what I mean like you you're pro like as everyone could see if you watched our first holiday draft we were drafting or festive friday draft god i just short-circuited there for a minute um if you're watching our festive friday draft i drafted christmas eve because i think it's better than christmas day because once you get to christmas day it's almost over so i'm all about like the i like edging on the holidays like i like getting right up to it and then just not like once it gets there then it's over i hate it just uh eight days of soaking I think edging is more what I'm looking for rather than soaking. Yeah. We're, but you know, same difference, whatever you're into, if anybody knows what that is. Um, how has your week been? I, I know you and Sawyer went and saw and Kylie went and saw Santa for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so, so yesterday did, was did my he have any, did he have any issues? Oh yes. And I would be remiss. Happy birthday. Spencer is your 30th birthday. Thank Let's you. Let's give him a big drive energy round of applause. Happy 30th. You're officially an old man. I'm officially Woo! old now. I'm officially at the uh, take ibuprofen just in case, you know. And also on my tweets, fucking stay off some of my tweets. Like I've been thirty for less than a day, and you're already tweeting about, oh, this is thirty. No, like, I wasn't. I I was asking a question. All right, fucking let me talk for a second. I was you're, asking. You've a become question. an internet panderer, is what you've become. No, yes, a little bit, but it's more of just like funny to incite some like some laughs, you know. I'm my Twitter's become more of like a, you know, uh, drunk tweeting about my sports teams in the fourth quarter and 
funny thoughts that I have during the day that I like to tweet out. And yesterday, uh, I was on, you know, it was my birthday, just hanging out on the couch, watching some TV, family's napping, dogs are napping. And the fucking Amazon driver drops off boxes and then knocks on the door. Like, I don't want to fucking greet you. I want you to knock on the door, leave the fucking boxes, or I want you to not knock on the door. I, I want you to leave the, leave the boxes on the fucking front step, take a picture of it, and fucking go to the next house. Like, it sounds like I'm, I, I sound bitchy, and I don't mean to sound, like, very, like, uppity about that, but it's you like, are. it created a fucking pandemonium. Um, you know, my dogs just love to bark every time the, the doorbell or the, the doors knocked on. Which then ensues my kid waking up early from his nap, which then ensues crying, which then ensues pandemonium in my fucking house when I was just napping on the couch watching some fucking TV for my birthday. God forbid. And I don't understand, like, why. I don't, I don't get the knock. I think that's maybe another thing that pisses me off. Like, do people just, you know, sit at home and wait all day for their packages to be delivered and the second they hear a knock? Like, my fucking Echo Dot does the amazon sound this you know two seconds after it's delivered if i hear that you know i'll waltz over to the door we we do have a porch pirate problem in my neighborhood which is ironic because it's a pretty quiet like family oriented neighborhood but there's there's a porch pirate scenario going um, well that would be why and also one thing i think you got to consider too is some people like i know it's not that often but some people are getting shipped like food and like shit that you can't have just sitting outside all day. You know what I mean? Like you got to be, you got to think of the other people. You feel me? Well, yeah, but it's at this point, it's fucking cold enough where if they're shipping some food, like it's already been in the truck and on a plane for X amount of hours. It can handle another four or six until I get home or, or I feel like getting up off the couch and, and getting to the door. But I don't know. I'm just never, a, I'm never a knock, knock guy. Just leave it quieter you can be getting in and out of there the better for me and I, I think generally the better for everyone um but then so yeah so we took my kid to see santa yesterday no issues got him in his little we went to bass pro shops which i'm not a big like bass pro guy or cabela's guy obviously look at me i'm not a big fucking hunter like you know fight for you my own food your own yard work fight for my own food scenario but I do love a good Bass Pro or a good Cabela's. Like we went to Bass Pro Shops in Memphis, which is that big pyramid one, just for funsies, and it was really cool. And uh, the the, the fish Cabe tanks are by far the coolest part, in my opinion. The fish tanks, yeah, they have fish tanks at Shields too here, but the the uh, Bass Pro just in general, all this like I'm kind of into more of their their clothing a little bit now, like these like shackets, and I'm a Duluth Trading Co guy. Uh, I kind of stick with that, but it's in the same realm of like Carhartt and just jackets that are versatile. You know, you can wear them whenever, um, over hoodies. Uh, they're just brown or black. Don't have a bunch of logos and shit on them. Um, but going through and seeing all, all the different fish stuff and they have a little, um, little area where you can shoot, uh, sticky arrows, like not actual arrows, but you know, a little bow and arrow. I got that out and was shooting some fish kind of like a carnival game um but those places are just more of like a they're not really stores they're more of an amusement park area like there's just so many different things you can do um, yeah 
and when you go into those places it it makes you want to become like an outdoorsman like you're like i should really get into this like i should hunt more or not even hunt like camp i should camp i should fish and then the moment you walk out of there that feeling just completely leaves your body you're like what the fuck am i thinking i'm just a regular ass golf pro type of dude i'm not fucking joe rogan out here hunting down my food yeah exactly you just like get back into the car and you drive back to your suburban home and think oh this is fucking nice you you fake it a little bit though in your toyota tacoma you're like i'm outdoorsy oh yeah and then i saw this tacoma the other day that just put mine to shame and i was like oh fuck he's he's uh he's not he's this guy's serious this guy's got the fucking all-time truck tent on his car um and and like he can just camp at any moment that's what i said he can just go any moment he wants to he can just start going camping um but no so we took him to see santa the overall experience was good it was a real santa like it was real beard uh guy looked pretty jolly um and i i do have to say it was a fu- it was a weird experience for me so first of all i don't think i've seen santa since uh I was probably 11, maybe 10. I don't remember. Maybe you have a better memory of this. I, I, I vaguely remember us having a few pictures with Santa Claus. Maybe it was even younger, four or five. Um, and so I kind of assumed that that was the general population of people that went and saw Santa. And this is like a whole fucking economy in itself, I guess. We, the place we went was free, and then you pay for the actual you know, printed pictures or whatever. Um, but some places charge like 40 bucks just to go sit on his lap and take pictures. Maybe that includes the pictures. I don't know. But we, I was like, dude, this kid's five months old. Who knows if he starts crying, if he's going to have spit up all over his little overalls, like what the fuck's going to happen? Uh, so I was like, let's go somewhere that's free and see what happens. And we're in line and in front of us. So once again, not a big sea Santa guy. Haven't done it a ton. Uh, So don't know the kind of crowd, you know, and you can chime in on this. We can get Marissa's take on this if she's a big, you know, sit on Santa's lap kind of gal. Um, But the the fucking people in front of me, there was like 14 high schoolers together in a group, fucking same clothes on. There there was like six girls and seven dudes or I don't know the exact number, something like that. All bunch of high schoolers. They all had black hoodies on and the guys had one set of like plaid pajama pants the girls all had one set of plaid pajama pants. And I'm not fucking kidding you. There was a girl, probably 16, maybe hopefully maybe 18, so this doesn't seem creepy. She had a fucking sports bra on and her entire stomach and back was out with these pajama pants on sitting on Santa's lap. And I'm thinking, what the fuck are we doing here? Like is this a thing? So maybe I'm just so out of the loop, but they were all taking group photos with Santa Claus. No joke, three of the girls had belly shirts on, one chick just a sports bra, and I'm thinking, man, am I out of place bringing my fucking five-month-old kid here? Then, behind us, in line, it's a fucking couple. You can guess their ethnicity by they were wearing just fucking, they both had matching clothes on. They were, they had hoodies on, no, not hoodies, sweaters that just said California on them. Uh, and then they had their fucking dog with a matching hoodie. And I'm, I'm like miffed by this entire scenario that 
God forbid I want to bring my fucking baby, human child, to see Santa Claus, and we're sandwiched in between a fucking group of high school girls that look like they're going to fucking cheerleading practice, and we, behind us, we got this couple with their fucking rat dog that they're spending 10 minutes to try to get him to look at the fucking camera. They got people in front of the camera uh, cheering his name, squeaking squeak toys. I'm like, dude, I've, I'm out on this. This was fucking insane. You sound like such a boomer, but at the same time, I totally understand. Like, in what world as as adults do you, like, take time out of your day to go see Santa? And maybe this is, like, a, a larger issue that I have with uh, pet owners in general is, like, I love dogs to death. I'm not even going to touch the... I'm not going to touch on the 16 year old girls that were half dressed sitting on Santa's lap. We may have to do a wellness check on Santa after that, but Dude, uh, you know, he was like looking over like, Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, we, <laughs> we hope Santa has the best of intentions. Um, I was going to make another joke, but I don't even think I can do it. Uh, but people with their dogs, like when they act like, their dogs are children and like if you say and marissa i hope you don't hate me for this like if you are, say you better tread lightly here tread lightly but if you say you're a dog mom like and you say you're mom you're a mom to a dog um that's like me saying there's dairy in eggs like you you can't fucking birth a dog if you're a human being so you're not a dog mom um and they just take it over the top. Like they're like, well, we're taking our kid to see Santa. It's like your kid doesn't know your, <laughs> your dog doesn't know that Santa exists. He knows what kibble looks like in a bowl of water. And the, the top of the couch looks like he doesn't know anything further than that. Like people take their dogs and it's, it's obviously for them. It's not for their dog. They're not, they're not helping out their dog by taking him to Santa to fucking tell him what they want for Christmas. They just want pictures to, and one other thing, I just got to throw it out there. It's kind of on topic. People that make Instagram pages for their dogs can get so far fucking shot into the sun. Like in my opinion, I, I just got to preface it with that. Um, personally, uh, I cannot stand people that make Instagram pages for their dogs like they're actual human beings. Um, it's just one of those things that you take it too far. Like there's, I love dogs. I've had dogs my whole life, but there's a difference between a dog and a human being. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Are you Marissa, are you, a, are you a dog mom? I don't call myself a dog mom. Thank um, you. But I definitely... You have a dog. I have two and, dogs, and I love and my you're, children. <laughs> you're their owner. Okay. But you're here's the thing. Mute or mic. <laughs> <laughs> here's mute. the thing. Let me, let me explain. They are, I probably spend the most money on them, and I, you know, but we don't take them, like, I would never take them to a mall, or, like, I hate people who take their dogs to restaurants or places that they don't belong. Like, I'm not that person. You know, if there's, like, an outdoor sitting area where you can have a dog, totally cool. But I don't I don't dress yeah. my dog up and put him in a cart to take him to the store, like, that kind of thing. That's weird to me. 
I will say I do have an Instagram page for one of my dogs. <laughs> but, Plug it. I want to look at it now. Plug but, it. But she ended up getting sponsored, which was kind of cool. So she got Who's like sponsored by. I can't remember the company. There were two companies, but she did like bandanas for the dogs, or like she posed like she had photos for that, and then she did like leashes and stuff like that. So she was. But this was in her puppy days. She was pretty cute. So that was cool. So you're trying to side hustle your dogs. This is like the equivalent of like a child actor. For you're... sure. I mean, my dog semi looks like a who. <laughs> okay. I That's fair. And maybe it's, I have a bigger problem with what people think they can get away with because they call their dogs their kids. Like yeah. you said, I'm in the grocery store taking them in the restaurant, taking them on planes, taking them everywhere. Um, so I'm going to get off that rant real quick. I was just thinking about this because I said personally, like I didn't want to offend you. I tweeted this out last week, but it was still the funniest fucking thing. I was in Trader Joe's. Did I tell Did I tell this story on the podcast last week? Um, the fantasy football one or yeah. the getting in the wrong car one? No, the fantasy football one. No, I don't think you did. Okay, so it may have been the day that I, uh, the day we recorded the pod, so it was afterwards. Um, I get in line, and this kid's like super nice, probably in his early 20s. And I'm like, how are you doing, man? And he goes, well, I just won my fantasy football matchup yesterday to uh, get into the playoffs, so I don't really give a fuck about anything else. And then he pauses, and he's like, personally. <laughs> like, I love when people just throw, like, personally on the end. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, why... It's just one of those like new kid things where you say like personally, just in case you offend, you know, somebody you're like, that's just how I feel. You don't have to feel that way. He's like, I just don't give a fuck about anything else. Personally, (laughs) I was fucking dying. He had me. I was in a fucking blender after he told me that story. I like couldn't get my bag out. I couldn't get my card out. I was like, dude, this kid just flat out gave me his whole rundown of you know, his fantasy football situation. So I I appreciated that. That was hilarious. Well, you know, at Trader Joe's, they're like required to ask you a question when you check oh, out. Really? I heard that from somewhere. Or they're required to engage in a little bit of conversation with you. Um, Kylie told me that. And she said that 90% of the time, like at Trader Joe's, they're, she's buying like at least some sort of dog treat. So they always mention, like they always ask what kind of dog you have. That's just like their standard go-to. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's... Standard it, one from the chamber. It is hilarious when people just bust out with like a, a good story. Um, being like a check, like a cashier. Um, but it's also sometimes they get... And we're going off fully off the rails here, but let's just embrace it. Um, like cashiers sometimes will just fucking start talking to the other people that they're working with. And that kind of bothers me a little bit. Like, if you're not slowing down what you're doing, fine. And and I'm not like, hey, fucking check this out. Get me out of here, whatever. But, like, the other day, I I uh, Monday mornings, I'll generally, if I go to the gym, I'll generally go to the store right afterwards and kind of get some stuff for the week. Uh, and then I'll generally buy, buy my wife flowers because um, we have, like, fresh flowers in the house. And I'll just do that, you know, every Monday, whatever. Oh. And this fucking lady, she's, like, she's this big lady. Um, so big that she's not standing at the cash register. She's permanently seat- seated. And Such she, an goes, she fucking turns around 
mid mid or she first of all she asked me she's like who's these flowers for and i was like my wife she's like are you uh are you in trouble and i was like it's only monday morning so not yet um <laughs> and then she just fucking leans back and goes darian and he's like this dude's just walking <laughs> one of the dudes one of the dudes that's walking by the fuck he like he does the grocery carts outside or some shit he's got the vest on she goes darian you should start doing this for your wife maybe they wouldn't fucking hate you so much and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and the guy's just like miffed by it. He's like, <laughs> just like shaking his head and just walks out to get the carts. But the cashiers can be like, they can enhance your experience for sure. Um, but when they just keep fucking going on some shit that you're like, dude, like, are you bagging this or am I bagging this? Let me scan my fucking card. Let me do this. And I'm done. Yeah. That's it. Most of the time, no. but they, they can enhance your experience occasionally. And Trader Joe's is one of those where they kind of have to ask you a question, apparently. Well, it's the same way with like when I go get a coffee and the baristas are just like talking like over anybody out in public that's like talking overly loud about like their personal business and they like want other people to hear it. So like when the whoever the baristas are back there making coffee and they're just like yapping at the top of their lungs about like, Oh my God, did you see this or that? Or this customer ordered this? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, can you just, this sounds like a personal conversation. I'm just standing there waiting for my fucking brown sugar shaken espresso here. Like I don't need to hear your entire life story. And like you said, there's, you can always draw the line somewhere and I love interacting and like having a conversation like, how's your day going? Like I always am, I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm always like very respectful and I'm always like, I want to be courteous. I want to give anybody that works, you know, in front of people a, a renewed faith because I know how many assholes you have to deal with on a regular basis. So I want to be one of the nice people, but then you ask them how their day's going and then they, the, you tell them that they got they had to put their cat down like this last week you're like holy shit like we overstepped this is not where i wanted to go with this i just wanted to make sure that you're doing okay and having a decent day here so yeah there's always that element where it's like okay let's shut it down let's let's get the job done i'm trying to get out of here i'm not i'm not trying to hang out and have a, a personal conversation with you yeah, the subway um, by the office here is pretty ratchet, but I'm currently addicted to subway and Gardettos. Oh, just human pile of trash. That is, I love subway too, but it is like the lowest quality dog shit you can buy. And dude, I got fucking absolutely bent over about getting bologna from subway here in the office the other day, but I don't care. Fucking free shout out. I get the cold cut combo every fucking time. I do not stray from my order. The only thing I stray from on that order is what kind of bread I get. Sometimes it's flatbread, sometimes it's wheat, and then sometimes I add lettuce to it, but that's it. Same fucking order, cold cut combo, no cheese, chipotle sauce, mayonnaise, uh, bell, or uh, fucking, what are those things called? Pepperoncinis. Yeah, banana peppers, olives, pickles, salt and pepper, done. Fucking same order every time. It still slaps like it did when I was 11. But See, you just overshared right there. We didn't need to know your whole fucking order. No, I, yeah, I, I tend to overshare. But the ladies that work there, nice, super nice ladies, but they are so fucking, they are having four conversations the whole time you're going through the fucking line. 
And then I'm pretty sure like three or four of them, they I think they all have kids. And the kids just sit in the fucking back. And this lady's checking me out. She's like, you got a subway card? Jimmy, shut up. Give me a minute. And then they like go back to like, like they didn't say anything. And I'm just like, Jesus, okay. And this kid like starts to walk out of the back. And then he fucking turns around, goes back in the back. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is a, oh, this is a nightmare. This is a debacle. Real quick, this reminds me, and then we'll get to golf because we've just gone completely off the rails. This reminds me of that Uber we took in Dallas. Oh, my God. <laughs> have we talked about that on this podcast? Marissa, have we talked about this? No. <laughs> oh, my God. We got picked up by this lady, and we were at, like, this club bar type i don't really know how to explain it but needless to say we were like shit faced and we get picked up in this uber and uh it's this lady and like older lady probably like her 50s 50s or so pretty ratchet car like it was it was not a great situation and so we both get in we wanted to go get whataburger it was like one in the morning we wanted to hunt down whataburger for some fucking reason uh and we get into this car and she's got like her three-year-old grandson in the front seat like screaming up a storm like he's playing video games and like screaming and she keeps like yelling at him and oh my god it was <laughs> spencer's there eventually we got dropped off at a whataburger that was not open and just got left in the ghetto of dallas like we thought we may die like we were walking through the back alley of like a random department store at like one in the morning. It was sketchy. There was homeless people everywhere. I was, I was pretty afraid for my life, but it was like the funniest fuck. And Spencer and I just looked at each other. Like, is this like a three-year-old kid? Like barely learning how to talk sitting in the front seat of the Uber. Like that cannot be legal. I don't even think he was in like a car seat. There was no car seat. There was nothing. And he, she's like, yeah, I just got to watch my grandson tonight. And like, Holy fuck. Absolutely well, hilarious. COVID in general, um, like gave just, there was so many leeways, but Lyft was one of those where people would all of a sudden just make the front, sh the front seat of their car, since no one was technically allowed to sit there, just like a fucking storage unit. You know, people used to be like, I used to drive for Lyft back in the day, you know, make a few extra bucks here and there. And I was like scared if there was one misplaced half of a wrapper in my car now and then when it got to covid people would put their entire lives in just their front seat and then put the seat forward so there it was very clear that you can't fucking sit up here and that's how that lady was she's like no one's gonna sit up here i'm fucking babysitting might as well make some money and let my grandson play on his fucking game boy and yell at him while i'm dropping these two out of towners off at whataburger that's fucking closed the only thing that was open was the fucking drive-through and we didn't want any part of continuing to be in that car. Uh, and and also, I don't know if it's like kosher to go through a drive-through in an Uber. Like, I as an Uber driver, I I wouldn't necessarily care. But I also it just seems awkward to be like, hey, fucking hot and spicy McChicken, large fries. Or, or we probably maybe, would end up having to buy your fucking grandson like a shake or something. Yeah, fucking Happy Meal, Whataburger Happy Meal. All right. We are bringing this back onto the rails. Let's get into a little bit of golf. Um, so first of all, let's start off with John Rahm. We're not going to get into the whole, you know, what the fucking ethical scenario. We battled with some 
battled in the comments a little bit uh, last Thursday. So make sure you tune into that if you haven't. Just kind of get our take on the whole Rom to live situation. But now that the dust has settled a bit, about a week later, he's done four CNN interviews, a Pat McAfee interview, uh, been all over the place, wore the Letterman's jacket. Uh, kind of what this means for the PGA Tour and for the Live Tour going forward. And I jokingly tweeted out a, a seesaw of uh, Live Tour kind of pulling their weight essentially more with the top-end talent that they've got and the the personalities, not just the talent. Um, and PGA Tour was on the other side of the seesaw falling off of it. I thought it was funny, but then we got a few, you know, the internet's a bad place. It's always a bad place. But um, kind of talk about, Mitchell, some of the the guys that are benefiting from this now, which is, for the record, something we've always said. Every guy that goes to live, big player, small player, from the PGA Tour, that's a current PGA Tour player with status, it's, it's a benefit to a PGA Tour player specifically or the PGA Tour players as, uh, you know, players in general as a whole. So kind of speak to some of the the positives that have come out of this for certain guys. Yeah, so when at this point everybody knows when you leave to go to the live tour from the PGA Tour, you get permanently suspended or temporarily, permanently, however you want to draw it up. Um, I don't really know. There's so much gray in there because, you know, if they were to get out of their live contract, then they could technically come back and like qualify for the PGA Tour. But for the time being um and then you know in the for the near future they're suspended from the pga tour so they were the topic was brought up well since he finished what he finished in the top 10 of the fedex cup last year i know uh do you remember what spot was it top five top three i think he was three i think he was third okay um behind scotty and uh victor hovland won it yeah. Okay. So, I mean, he finished well within, you know, earning his tour card back, but since he got suspended, that took him completely out of the, the rankings for this upcoming year and the exemptions and all of that. So there was multiple guys that benefited. Um, the first one was uh, Mackenzie Hughes. He was outside of the top 50, which did not get him into all the signature events. So that, that is what they're called. They're not elevated. They're signature events. Um, we fucked that up so many times that now I'm glad we could, you know, sort that out. Um, really well, get the, to the bottom of it. For the record, that they changed the name. Elevated. Oh, I know what they used. To, yes, they were calling them elevated, but then they changed that. So I'm just saying. I knew we both knew that they weren't no longer called elevated events, but we didn't know what they were called. So they're signature events. Um, so Mackenzie Hughes moves into the top 50, which means he gets into all of next year's signature events, which is huge for him. Um, a lot more money he's get, you know, a lot more, uh, sponsorship money probably comes along with that. Uh, Alex Smalley gets into the Genesis, which, uh, you have to be in the top 60 in eligibility to get into that tournament. So he got in there. Um, and then, uh, Carl Wan keeps his PGA Tour card. He was legitimately going to lose. He was on the outside looking in at uh, at one twenty five at one twenty six, and since Rom was removed, he's now inside the top one twenty five. So he gets to keep his PGA Tour card 
again for next year. And then um, Paul Haley, just outside of the top 150, uh, now gets um, conditional status for next year. So, and it, it, it truly is kind of crazy, like looking at um, these eligibility points lists. Do you know who's now 151? Is uh, Webb Simpson. Wow. Just like a like former a light, a PGA winner. Tour. Yeah, U.S. Open champ, light, kind of a PGA Tour lifer. Yeah, he's he's on the board of directors or the the players board for the PGA Tour, and it's like, can you really be on the board if you don't even have a PGA Tour card? Like, because he, you know, Webb Simpson's not one of those guys that is like earned a lifetime membership like at Tiger Woods or whatever. Um, so, you, can you really say you're you know on the PGA Tour players board if you're not even a qualifying PGA tour player, but yeah, the, just the, the movement within the lists. And it sounded like for days afterwards that this ROM stuff was announced, they didn't even let these players know, like it came out like three, four days later, I think that these guys were going to earn their status back, which is just insane. The, the fact that the PGA tour didn't immediately notify them, you know? Uh, so it just kind of goes further into, how off the rails the PGA tour is the lack of communication. Those guys have the, uh, you know, just the lack of transparency within the tour, I think is a really big sticking point for all these players. And uh, even this is from Monday Q info who we quote a lot. He said, I will say this, the lack of communication has been a big complaint by players on the PGA tour. It seems they are making an effort uh, though all communication is pretty bleak right now. Um, so it's just another, another indictment on the PGA tour. They lose one of their superstars and then, uh, the players that actually earn their status back and get their card back on the PGA tour or, you know, get into those signature events, things like that are hardly even notified until like days later of this happening, which is a huge, like massive life change for these guys. So actually, It'll kind of be crazy because um, we've got guys, you know, like Tyrrell Hatton, like uh, a few other dudes that are rumored to be going to live in the next uh, month or so, which will probably get done. And it's going to be insane, like because this this PJ Tour live partnership, I think, has to be done by December 31. Um, so I feel like there's going to be big news one way or the other, whether they're partnering with the live tour or they're partnering with another venture capitalist fund um, or what they're doing, something is coming down within the next couple of weeks. Uh, but with the, the ROM move, moving to live, um, it feels more and more like live and the PGA tour aren't going to get something done. Uh, but at the same time, like now you even have Rory speaking out and we talked about this on our live stream when the news came out, but you've got Rory speaking out like, Oh, well, the Ryder Cup's going to have to change their criteria. Of course, like he didn't care when it was all American dudes that, you know, had no bearing. And Henrik Stenson somehow took a, a fucking ricochet shot and all of this because uh, with Rory saying that John Rahm should be eligible for the Ryder Cup, somebody tweeted him and they go, would you want Henrik to come back um, and captain the team? And he goes, Henrik going to the live tour was the best thing, best possible move for the European Ryder Cup team, like basically taking this crazy shot at a, a legendary European tour player. Um, 
and Rory, I don't know, like I, I'm kind of I was never really that in on Rory and we talked about it. I do like the guy, but I think he's overextended himself and I think he understands that too. And now he's like lashing out and almost like turning his his back on the PJ Tour, which you really can't blame him for, but I think he could have realized that and had the foresight to realize that, you know, a year ago when all this news came out about the live tour and maybe not be so staunchly against it because the internet never fails. They clipped John Rom saying he would never go to the live tour. Here he is. Um, you know, they say Rory says none of these guys should play in these events if they decide to leave for the live tour. Now he's saying that all the live tour players should be eligible for the Ryder cup. It's like, this is such a, a fluid situation. And I know that word probably gets overused, but it's such a fluid situation that you should watch what the fuck you say about it because two weeks from now, you could have a completely different opinion. You know, the the PIF could be signing your paycheck, Rory. You, you know, you, like there's so many different aspects to this that it's, you're probably just better off shutting your mouth. And, you know, I, I'm not all for like shut up and dribble. Like I want these guys to have a voice and an opinion, but at the same time, don't make comments that you'll later regret. Yeah. And it feels like this whole scenario is a lot of people saying one thing at the beginning. And then the more that comes to light on both the PGA tour side and the live golfer side and moving guys like Rom it changes it changes everyone's mind slowly and so like you said fluid situation in terms of they they had an opinion on it but i think one of the most important things in general like i'm not going to get too deep into life talks here is like opinions changing and people not being so stuck in one way for with and blinded to not seeing the other side of the coin and, you know, that's a, like a that could be a very deep life conversation, but it can also be something as simple as like, yeah, you hated live when it first came out. It seemed unethical. Well, now maybe it's not as bad as we originally thought it was. And that's where like keeping your mouth shut, like you said, is not necessarily like you can't speak on it, but you just have to watch what you say in terms of the fact because wh whether you decide to go to live or not in your PGA Tour player, uh, you you can be negatively or positively affected by these guys leaving. Like Mackenzie Hughes, all of a sudden, his whole career arc could change this coming year. And it makes you one. He was actually one of the dudes that just came out in these last couple of weeks. There's a whole Twitter thread that Mackenzie Hughes wrote about how broken the professional game of golf is right now and how it needs to be repaired and all that. And, you know, this was definitely before uh, he realized or he was told that he's back in these signature events. And then he's like, you know, well, if 20 more guys could leave and I could get into the top 30, then you know, that would be great. Like anybody in front of you that's leaving is a benefit to you. So like you said, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a rising tote, uh, rising tide le uh, lifts all boats situation. If I wouldn't have butchered the absolute shit out of that. But uh, the more money that gets injected into the game, you know, the more players, that are playing at this high of a level and getting paid more, it's going to get everybody more money. Um, you know, with the caveat of saying maybe those guys on the outside looking in or those, you know, those filler events um, with the guys that are, you know, 50th through 125, the tour might end up looking at those dudes and being like, what are you bringing to the table? You know, like what is your T24 
at this event and your your T46 at this event doing for our TV ratings? Like what, you know, what, how are you helping our bottom line? But we're paying you, you know, they're paying them for the T24, probably $80,000, $90,000. Like the, the PGA Tour is paying out all this money um, and it's just how it always has been. Like there's everybody, um, you know, you make the cut, you get paid a certain amount and it could like change that the landscape of professional golf because they might go away from these large 128 person fields in order to save money it's like if if you ran it like a business every business wants to trim fat you know if you have a player that or a, a employee that's not performing and you're gaining nothing from having them then why are they employed with you you know what i mean and that's maybe how the pga tour is going to look at these guys that aren't winning, aren't driving TV ratings, you know, aren't big names within golf and be like, why should we employ you guys? Yeah. And one thing that I wonder is now looking back on it when Mackenzie Hughes sounded off on that, cause I read that thread and obviously at any point right now, um, these guys aren't getting into the PIP rankings. A lot of these dudes that are sounding off on Twitter, or we've, we've kind of seen that it doesn't really affect it. Like Max Homa being a top 10 is is probably as good as it's going to get for any mid-level mid tour player without a name uh, that's recognizable to get in the PIP rankings and make that extra money at the end of the year. Um, but it is nice and to see different players that are your mid-level, not winning tournaments, but fighting for continuing to be on the PGA Tour year after year, kind of sound off and social media gives them a good platform to do that. Just like the TikTok we discussed a couple weeks ago. Remind me, I forget that. What was the dude's name? Um, oh, Bring Ben Griffin. Yeah, Ben Griffin. Guys like your Ben Griffins, Mackenzie Hughes sounding off. Now it's funny to think that he was 51st on the points list. So maybe that was all derived from that exact circumstance. And you wonder if guys a little more down the list, Nick Hardy, Taylor Montgomery, Alex Smalley, those are 52, 53, and 54 like, Hey, let's get fucking Tyrrell Hatton out of here. Let's get some more, you know, let's get a few more guys out of here. Um, yeah. And, you know, they can go continue their career, make a ton of money over at the Live Tour, and we can continue our career on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, so it's like we've always said, it's maybe negative publicity for the overall game of golf, but the Live Tour growing into what it is and slowly picking off you know, bigger pieces of the pie player by player is not necessarily bad for certain players on the PGA tour. And in five to 10 years could not be bad for the game of golf in general. If Rom truly believes what he was saying in his interviews. Now that's a whole nother fucking can of worms. Um, but he, you know, kind of, he referenced Seve saying he wanted to grow the game of golf in Spain and around the world. And he believes this is the move to do it. Um, and so, you know, you never know, like it's, it, you, these guys are obviously being paid to say, uh, what they need to say versus saying what they want to say, because we all know that in general, professional sports can be a little watered down. And that's why we crave as fans, like mic'd ups so much. And even the players know they're mic'd up. So they got to change a little bit of that, but actually knowing what's going on in a sport behind closed doors is like the most interesting thing to a sports fan that there is because we can all watch every game we can claim to be an analyst of 
a certain game or sport, but when you know what's truly going on, it cha- it like we've gotten little glimpses of it in general from being in the media and things you hear around work or whatever things I hear around the office from certain players or GMs or whatever. Um, but that stuff is so interesting. And I feel like would change a lot of people's perspective on not only the sport, but a lot of the players in the sport, whether they like them more or hate them, um, you know, that's a positive or negative effect. But in general, I think the sports fans, we crave the behind the scenes, what's really happening type of content and type of information versus like the, Oh yeah, this guy shot 18 under and beat the guy that shot 17 under. I watched every swing of both of them for four straight days. You know, that's, that's not the interesting shit in golf. And, um, we're going to get to that with Rory McIlroy. Uh, we talked about him a little bit, um, and a live golfer and former Ryder cup teammate gave a quote to Alan Shipnook. Um, but before we get to that, we want to tell you guys about our friends over at bet three, six, five. That's where we do all of our golf betting. We're in a little bit of what we call the silly season right now with golf. Uh, We did give you guys some fire picks for Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago in football. Um, But use the code all caps, all city at bet365. And you get to choose between two offers, whether that's a first bet safety net of $1,000 or betting $5 to get $150. When you use that code all city at sign up, it's great. It's a great website for betting golf because you get the each way bets, which we hammer every single week. Uh, once we get to 2024, Tournament of Champions is right around the corner, a couple weeks away. We'll start giving out our weekly Big Bet Energy picks on the Bet365 app. It's never ordinary over at Bet365. They've got a bunch of great boosts. Uh, NFL Sundays are great on Bet365. You can get $10 in bonus bets for every $20 you place in same-game parlays. Must be 21-plus. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. I also want to tell you guys about our great friends over at Burrito Express down in Arizona. Six great locations, the Tempe location right by Arizona State. These guys are awesome. It's a local business. You always want to support a local business. I'm a big believer in that. Um, We've had our conversations about Starbucks or local coffee shops, and Burrito Express is kind of that same way. They're, They're a local company down in Arizona. I know you're taking some trips down there. If you're an avid golfer and you're living in a cold weather state, Arizona or Florida is the spot to go. I'm hoping uh, to get down to Arizona before the year ends or early into 2024, uh, play a little golf, thaw out a little, a little bit. We haven't had as much snow here either, but it's just nice to get down there. And Burrito Express is always the first place we go when we get off the plane, get to the rental car place, get our bags, or sometimes forget our bags, go back and get them, and then head over to a Burrito Express for a fire, either breakfast burrito, dinner burrito, drunk late night burrito. They've got it all over at Burrito Express. Great guys, too. Uh, got to meet them in person in Arizona last year at the tournament. Um, so support their cause. They they are big supporters of uh, local athletics as well. So head over to Burrito Express and grab yourself a burrito today. I uh, also want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Distillery. Breck Distillery is not only the highest distillery in the United States, but also one of the highest rated. They've got all sorts of different uh, great bourbon, high rye mash whiskeys that are, uh, I was going to say brewed. They're uh, <laughs> distilled right here in the state of Colorado. Uh, great facility up there in Breckenridge. If you want to check it out, they've got food. Um, you can see how they do the process of making all their bourbons and they've got some great holiday, uh, bottles, Mitchell, apparently they've got holiday bottles 
And I will say, you said they've got food, but I, that's an understatement because their food is phenomenal. They've got a head chef that curates like a seasonal menu for every year and then makes awesome, like seasonal drinks to pair up with the food. So it's like a, a top end, like it's not a, a distillery where you just roll in and, you know, you, you grab a little, some whiskey and a burger, like you can get some really, really high quality food and super high quality liquor there too. So it's like a no brainer. It's one of my favorite spot, like favorite bars, favorite spots I've ever been to. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's nothing better than going to a distillery, eating some food, but getting a whiskey flight and getting to try all the different whiskeys. I'm a big flights guy, whether that's beer, whiskey, whatever. Cause I'm not, I, and this is maybe part of my issue with always having horrible hangovers, but if you just go, if I go to the bar and drink the same drink over and over again, I don't think my hangover would be that bad. But instead, I'm like, oh, this time, you know, this time a beer sounds good. Oh, now it's a seltzer sounds good. Oh, now give me a vodka soda. Oh, whiskey coke. Yeah, like it's just a constant mishmash of stuff. But when you go to Breck Distillery and you can just get a flight of the different whiskeys, try them all out for yourself. I guarantee you there's something you'd like there. And they're not only in Colorado. That's the thing. If you're any of the 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii. Head to BreckenridgeDistillery.com, and you can get that delivered right to your door. Just had it delivered to my door last Friday for our Christmas party. Easy as going on to the website, getting it delivered, show the guy your ID, guy or gal, delivery driver your ID when they get to your house, and boom, you're ready to start drinking, which is the best time of the day. Time to start drinking. All right, let's get into this quote. Let's unpack this quote from... Uh, Alan Shipnook, he is writing a book. Um, Mitchell, can you talk a little bit about, first of all, because I'm, you know, I'm on golf Twitter, and, but talk a little bit about who Alan Shipnook is. He's kind of got some feuds with some guys, not necessarily like his life story or anything, but just basically like he's definitely on a different side of the coin than most of your at PGA Tour Dan or, or you know, at PGA Tour comms for sure. He's kind of an individualized person. Yeah, I think um, he used to be a PGA Tour uh, staffer, worked for multiple different like media outlets, and now I kind of think he's out on his own. And I will say he is probably one of the least liked uh, members of the media, along with, uh, you know, I, I don't have the names off the top of my head, probably Brandel Chambly and a few of those guys, but I don't know if very many players like him because he likes to, he he's like a media member that loves to stir the pot, which is great for, you know, drama for numbers for all this, but it ends up with him being on the wrong side of a lot of it where these players, you know, he takes a lot of quotes anonymously and posts them, which leaves a lot to be, you know, like this quote we're about to read about Rory um, was an anonymous quote given to him uh, from a former Ryder Cup player, Ryder Cup teammate of Rory's um, now that plays on the live tour. And so he just kind of does stuff in a shady um, sense where he's always trying to get the inside info. He was the one that was like bad mouthing Phil and talking about his gambling addiction. Um, he doesn't seem, you know, for all these like big J journalist guys to say they have like a lot of integrity he he's almost like the live tour of uh reporting because he throws you know in everybody else's eyes there's no integrity no you know respect on the live tour or whatever he's kind of the same way like he really doesn't give a shit where he gets a quote he doesn't give a shit where it comes from or how he gets it 
um, he's going to put out like some fire, uh, you know, drama type of stir the pot content. So he's just kind of a different dude. There's, I, I think a lot of the PJ, he drives his, his personal tractor all around the engagement farm. (laughs) Exactly. He is, he is an original engagement farmer. He is John Deere of engagement farming. Um, so yeah, he's just a different kind of dude. And I don't think a lot of players like him. Um, but then a lot of players will go to him because they, and I obviously can't speak because I don't know all the players, but they, uh, I don't know how much he's trusted within circles because anything that is said, you know, supposed to be off the record could be used against them. Um, just shit like that. So it's kind of a sketchy, sketchy deal. Yeah. So Getting to this quote, um, a live golfer, once again, live golfer and former Ryder Cup teammate on Rory. So European teammate, you, th- we could condense this down and maybe uh, maybe next pod we'll kind of, we'll, we'll play a guessing game of who we think this is. But uh, quote, uh, fuck Rory. I'm so <laughs> sick of hearing about how he's some kind of hero who is saving golf. He's bought and paid for like everybody else. It's just that his money is coming from the other side. Did you know that when Whoop started to do a deal with the PGA Tour, they insisted that Rory be one of the endorsers? He was given a $10 million equity stake that is now worth $200 million. How do you think he got the tour? How do you think he got his own deal with NBC? The tour brokered that too. The tour is so reliant on Rory now, they've given him his own league, the TGL, which is a flop, of course, not going to start till 2025. If Even ever. though it will compete with the tour for viewers and advertisers. Not entirely true, but Rory's fighting so hard for the tour because he wants to preserve his revenue streams, not because he cares about the tour itself. He is being held up as some kind of savior on Twitter by all the fanboys and their shitty podcasts. Thank you. Uh, tells you how little people understand about what's going on. And it, we've kind of said this the whole time. The I've been tour- saying this from day one. The tour being a monopoly that's now not a monopoly any longer on in professional golf has unearthed a lot of like they've had to figure things out on the surface that we can see, but there's a lot more going on behind the scenes of A, them scrambling to try to figure out how to keep certain players, B, leaning into a guy that they can hopefully stand on in Rory, and how they do it, you never know. But this is kind of what that brings to light. Oh, completely. And that is that is why I think so many players have had an issue with Rory because he's doing exactly what they're doing, but he's doing it with the PGA Tour. So everybody looks at him as this golden child when uh, in reality, he's basically getting the same backdoor deals. He's making all this money. Rory's got to be close to a billionaire if not already there with all of his endorsements and all of that, which, you know, I'm not hating, make your money, do what you got to do. But at the same time, you're, that's like the CEO of a company making 10 times what an employee makes an employee wants to leave for a better opportunity. And you're telling them that, you know, to stick around because we we're a company of integrity and we're this and we're that like, you have no moral high ground to stand on when you're you're basically making all your money off of you know your own likeness and your own play but you're making money off the rest of the tour yourself because you're so you know ingratiated and um 
invested personally in the tour and how it performs and how it does. Uh, so it's just, I've been saying it for a while. Rory's doing, has done the exact same thing. And like you said, this whole live tour deal has lifted up the skirt of the PGA tour and people don't like that shit. Like they wanted to keep everything. The PGA tour, if the live tour wouldn't have come along, none of this, we wouldn't see these signature events with upped purses. We wouldn't see them trying to do any more for players. Um, you know, so it is crazy because when Phil left for the live tour and said, I'm going to change the game of golf and I want to change the game of golf. Uh, I think now it's pretty solidified that that's what he's done for better or for worse, whether you like it or not, he has completely changed the way the PGA tour looks at their players. He's completely changed how they're compensated. You know, the format of the tour, <clears throat> there's so many different ways that the tour has changed in these last five years or not five years, two years. Um, and so you really just got to give credit to Phil for having the foresight because and the crazy thing is, is Phil was was one of those dudes making hundreds of millions on endorsements. And he was one of the poster boys for the PGA Tour. And maybe maybe it's like a, a redheaded stepchild kind of feeling for Phil because Tiger was always in front of him. You know, now Tiger has the PGA Tour, Phil has the Live Tour. And they're both kind of the, uh, you know, the, um, the OG faces of the their their respective tours albeit the live is much smaller and newer and kind of an upstart type of league but i think phil maybe had that feeling of being like well i'm always going to come in i'm always going to be number two to tiger woods so now i can go over to the live tour and be the number one guy here and get the number one endorsement the most pay um all of that so i don't really necessarily know where i'm going with this i just think phil is one of the dudes that can look back and be like, look how right I was as much as people in the golf world don't want to admit it. Phil hit the nail on the head with all this shit. Cause now the PGA tour is, uh, has to, you know, open their books and show everybody how poorly they've been running their fucking show for the last 30 years. And <clears throat> we've talked about it a million times, but where would the game be without tiger woods? Like, they they have so much to they, they hitch their wagon so much to these star players like Tiger like Rory um, like you know they were trying to do to John Rahm and they're doing to, to uh, I, I want to say Tony Scheffler Scotty Scheffler <laughs> um, yeah not the tight end for the Denver Broncos legend yeah uh, but you you get what I'm saying like it, it just the what is unraveled from this whole thing is beyond me I. I never in a million years would have thought golf would come to where it is right now. Yeah. It's just a total change of landscape for yeah. the entire game. And the PGA tour is going to hold on to the live tour being unethical as long as it can. And, but the more, the more their, their unethical pile is building. And yeah. that's what's, that's what's scary is like the, I don't think anybody ever is ever going to think the live tour is less ethical or less has less integrity um if you if you will but like they're up here and the pga tour was supposedly down here with you know on un being immoral and unethical whatever you want to call it but the more that comes to light is just growing the pga tours pile of shit 
up to that same level. And when those get to the same level, but the money's way different and the way players are treated and how much they have to play and all these other things that are good for live, it's going to become a 50, 50 scenario. Well, so the way I look at it is you said that, uh, you know, the, the sizes of the piles of shit are different. I think the sizes of the live pile of shit and the PGA tour pile of shit are the same size. The, the PGA tour just has a, a garage covering up their pile of shit. And that's called the nonprofit, uh, organization that they preside under that they file their taxes under. Um, and now <clears throat> the live tour is reaching over and opening this door to this garage full of the PGA tour shit. And the PGA tour is freaking out because it's starting to all fucking leak out of that big garage that they've got. All their protection is going away. They're being exposed. And I will say, like, I've been saying it from day one, there, there's no moral high ground for the PGA tour. Their money is simply coming from other sources that are in cahoots with non-integrity based companies. Like there's just, they have a middleman that provides them their funding, their money, all of this. And so they can act like their hands are clean when in reality, it's just not the case whatsoever. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's a whole shit pile that's coming together with another shit pile. That's the landscape and world of professional golf. Real, real quick, we got to mention too before we get. Are we getting to our? Uh, oh yeah, we got to talk about Costco. Yeah, we got to uh, talk about Costco real quick. Um, but and- I, also, I, I wanted to say while we're still on the subject, Tony Finau is staying on the PGA Tour. That was announced. Um, if you haven't seen it all over social media, but he posted it on his own personal Instagram. Uh, but Spence and I had kind of a funny conversation. Like, what what are they going to say about Tony Finau that he like lacks integrity? That he's somehow not a good guy because he's going over like he's one of the most well-known nice guys on the PGA tour family man uh great husband you know he was on um what what was the Netflix show uh full swing yes full swing and everybody loved him there so it was gonna be uh a funny conversation to have about what they can call Tony Finau if he were to leave for the live tour but Let's uh let's get off of this talk. We've talked plenty about it. Yeah, so uh w- real quick Costco breakdown of it. They are making a club that is very similar to the TaylorMade P790s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's already out of stock everywhere. I'll kind of let you go off on it a little bit cuz you did have some good points. Um and we don't need to get too deep into the whole we we talked about Costco and its model in general, but one of your points was how they're f- flipping the golf world of manufacturing on its head because people are going, you know, there's, we've talked about the Costco truthers and and those people, like uh, my brother-in-law was already like, I asked my wife if I could get these new clubs, like he's into it. Um, And I'm like, dude, you can't hit those blades. So don't fucking worry about it. Um, But he, but it's bringing to light how much these manufacturers are charging and how much they're overcharging for the same product that now Costco is undermining them, essentially undercutting them. Yeah. I mean, so Costco, like Spencer said, they released an iron uh, and they'd release already. They've already put out wedges. They've already put out putters. Um, And by the way, they are all like modeled after uh, 
super high end, you know, $500 putters that they're selling for 150. The wedges are selling, I want to say like 200 bucks for a set of three when that would cost you at least double that, if not more than double. Um, if you were to buy any of your mainstream, uh, big brand golf clubs, uh, but then they release these irons that they're charging $500 a set that includes um, true temper shafts and lambkin grips. So they're by no means cutting quality and they're somehow selling them for a fraction of the price, about 40% of the cost of a comparable iron. And I honestly love it because Costco is just outing all these other companies. And one of our... Uh, followers on Twitter, uh, he was talking about, well, you know, that it was Zach, uh, Zach Rodriguez, correct? Which, which one? Uh, we, one of the, it's, his name is Zach Rodriguez. I, we, I'm, we were I engagement farming on this one pretty big. Yeah, I was, I was farming hard. I had my pitchfork out. I was turning over all the dirt. Um, and he said, yeah, they charge so much because they have to recoup their costs from marketing staff, pros, celebs, et cetera. Yeah. And I mean, that, that all makes sense, but at the same time, they like, look at Costco. Co I mean, it's crazy because Costco really does not market themselves at all. They don't have a huge marketing budget, but they've built such a world-class massive following that they put this shit out. They don't need to advertise it. And, you know, and maybe that's the benefit of Costco. Like maybe they just have it better than these big mainstream brands, but at the same time, you can't tell me that the margins on these golf clubs are not astronomical. Like even I talked to when I was tweeting with him wholesale, they're charging, you know, when, when we would sell a set of irons for 1200 bucks, they'd be charging us probably as the wholesale buyer, probably $900, almost a thousand dollars for the set. So our margins were not even good on those. And it just brings to light how much these golf club companies are gouging um, the everyday consumer because yeah, they have to recoup their costs, but they're paying these tour guys hundreds of millions of dollars to play their club. So then they can turn around and say they're the number one most played club on tour. So then they can charge the consumer even more to play their clubs. So it's just this roundabout, like I'm all for capitalism. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, uh, these club companies, they got to draw a line somewhere. Like, I said in one of those tweets, when we graduated high school, you could buy a brand new driver for $350. Um, and it's just inflation like anything else, but now a brand new driver, $600. Like that math does not check out in, in 10 years. Uh, the cost of clubs is almost doubled. So, you know, if, we, if we go on this path, the next thing, you know, your run of the mill driver is going to be a thousand, $1,200. And, it's ultimately going to scare people away from the golf industry because as we know, wages are not keeping up near, <laughs> near where they need to be with inflation in order for it to make sense for people to spend this kind of money. And, and I will say too, uh, kind of a little bit on my soapbox, but all the people that ordered all those sets of irons and then turn around and have them listed on eBay for $1,100, I fuck, those are the, the scum of the earth, bottom of the barrel people in this fucking world. Um, you know, you can call them smart, you can call them capitalists, whatever you call them. But just the fact that you're 
ordering all these sets of clubs and then turning around and making a huge profit when Costco is actually trying to do the right thing and get people golf clubs. Like they should have put a limit on how many sets you could get. They should, cause I mean, I could have went and bought 10 of those sets and turned around and sold them on eBay and it's, it's shitty. Like it's just a shitty thing to do. So you're basically gatekeeping these golf clubs from all these other people that could really actually use a new set of irons for $500 as opposed to, uh, you know, just going and turning a profit somewhere on the internet. So that shit just bugged the fuck out of me. Like I can't stand it. Yeah. It's uh hopefully those people will be smart and realize that. I mean, granted, yeah, it's winter, a lot of places in America right now. So they're not playing a ton of golf, but hopefully those people just realize, Hey, Costco is a big enough company where they'll make more of these and we'll be able to get them at, at the Costco rate versus the fucking these geriatrics out here selling them for extra on eBay. Hopefully they can wait until Costco gets them back in. All right, All right. let's wrap this episode up with a little bit of our new ish. It's an infancy stages segment of Mulligan of the week. And so Mulligan of the week, for those of you guys that are new to the show, welcome. Um, Mulligan of the week is where we basically have something that's happened to us the past week or two weeks because we flip flop with Fairway or Four, and uh, talk about some scenario, personal life scenarios um, that we wish we could have back or wish we could change. And I'll kick this one off this week. So yesterday was my birthday, um, and it was funny because I know you've heard it a million times. I'll say it one more time. I'm 30 now. Uh, out of my 20s, officially into my 30s, and kind of a monumental birthday, but really, I was just like, hey, let's just, just want to hang out with my family, um, not do too much, but we were taking the kid to see Santa, and on the way there, I was like, hey, let's grab some lunch, like, let's go get, let's go get lunch somewhere different, and uh, I think I've talked about it on the pod, I, I don't necessarily hate In-N-Out, but I think it's just severely overrated for how much people like it, okay, and um, I wanted to go to somewhere to lunch that was quick ish because now having a kid, like nothing is like, uh, you know, it's either get a babysitter and go to a nice dinner or go somewhere that's, if, if you have to jump up and leave within five to 10 minutes, you're not like pissed about it. So, but I also didn't want to go to like Del Taco or something, something like total bottom of the barrel shit. So I was like, Hey, there's an in and out right next to this Cabela's or this Bass Pro that we're going to, let's hit in and out. And I was like, you know, it's, it's overrated, but whatever, let's, let's, I'll give it another shot. I haven't probably had it since I think we flew to San Diego and did our fucking altered course, um, thing. Our TV interview, interview. our TV interview. I maybe had it once in Vegas, but I was like, let's, let's give it a shot. So I, the fucking menu, first of all, is confusing as hell. Um, if you, it's one of those, if you know, you know, and I don't know, um, type of scenario. So I'll fully admit that, but I go in there and Kylie orders like a uh, uh, double double or uh, she orders like a single cheeseburger animal style. And I know fully well what that fucking means. I know fully well it's a lot of cheese, onions and shit. And I fucking was like, hey, it's my birthday, whatever. We're just going to send it. I'm not a cheese guy. I'm not a dairy guy. So I order fucking double double animal style. I swear to God, there was a fucking truck of cheese on this fucking burger. And the fries came animal style too because I was panicked. I didn't know – like nothing was worse than panic ordering, and I do it all the time. Like I, I didn't do my research. I drove there, so I couldn't be on my phone researching what I was going to order. But I was like, whatever. You know, it's one day feeling like shit. It's fine. There was so much fucking cheese. The onions on the and the animal style fries did not taste great to me. 
the fries, I like soggy fries. I'm sickening, but I don't like, like, they were, like, tasted very crisp and very, like, fresh cut every day. That's one of their fucking slogans. I didn't like them. But long story short, I had a lot of fucking cheese and the Thousand Island that's also on there and onions. And my stomach has been in an uproar ever since and still is almost 24 hours later. Um, and so I wish I would have just fucking took a second, taken a deep breath at the counter and told this lady, hey, I want a fucking normal cheese, normal burger and the fries normal. But I animal styled that shit. And now I'm animal styling the back of my fucking toilet every <laughs> three hours. It seems like treating it like a, like it's a fucking zoo in there. Yeah. Um, so actually you brought up Thousand Island real quick. Did you know that Thousand Island on the East Coast is called Russian dressing? Really? I did not know that. Yeah. So if Fun you ever fact. hear somebody say Russian dressing, it's Thousand Island. Um, but yeah, the in and outs overrated. The food's decent, you know, whatever, but it's nothing. Dude, nothing the, amount of, the amount of like sick fat fucks sitting in the parking lot eating in and out, just like sitting in their car alone was like absurd to me. And the drive through line was a fucking mile and a half long. Like it was, it's just the, the coltness of it is maybe it's like that Costco thing for me too, but the coltness of in and out is insanity. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a cool thing to like. It's like, why is it a cool thing to like a burger place? Like, I, I don't, there's nothing special about it to me. Yeah. And Whataburger fucks for the record. I love Whataburger. Whataburger is very, very good. Um, I love Smashburger. I like any bur- like McDonald's. Give me a fucking McDouble two mcdoubles a diet coke and a fry french fry oh god like fuck me up um okay i'll go ahead and uh give you my fairway or not fairway or four mulligan of the week i can't keep my shit straight um so i was trying to be a nice boyfriend this last week right after we got off of uh our podcast stream and so my girlfriend's holiday party was last uh, last Thursday, and so she had this dress that she needed to have. She needed to steam it because it was wrinkly; it came out of the package. And so I was steaming her dress for her, like the the nice boyfriend that I am. Um, this is where Spencer comes in and tells everybody I'm not near as good of a guy as I claim to be. But I was steaming her dress, and I there was like kind of water dripping off the front of the steamer and I had a hoodie on. So I was like, Oh, well, and I just was not, you know, there's times where you're just flat out not thinking. Um, so there's like kind Most of water of my drop. days to be honest. Well, yeah, we knew that. Um, but when you're not thinking and you're doing something like this, they sometimes have fucking repercussions. So I decided it'd be a good idea if I wiped the steamer while it was on, I wiped the steamer on my sleeve and at, Oh, I got fireworks going. What do we got going here? If you're on the live stream, there's some special effects going on. Um, I got, I was just going to say, I got fireworks going. I wipe, I wipe the steamer on my arm and it burns the absolute fuck out of my arm. So I don't like, as you can move it over. Yeah. If you're not on the YouTube, check out the YouTube Big Drive Energy right. Pod. Big, and this big, really big doesn't do it golf. justice. This doesn't do it justice because it's like it's really gross, and I almost don't. That like looks I'm, like it fucking hurts, dude. 
bro, it hurt like a motherfucker. And it's, I've never been burned by like boiling water. I've always been burned by fire, you know? So it's, it's like a different kind of burn. And it really didn't hurt that bad at first. And then like 15 minutes later, I'm like, holy shit. And it's one of those things where it makes my whole arm feel hot still. This was like a week ago now. And I'll be laying there. And even if my body's cold, like my whole arm still feels hot because of this burn. So it's just all fucked up. I'm such an idiot. I was like, why did I not think of how hot this boiling ass steam was going to be on my arm? Um, So it hurt like a son of a bitch. And I will never make that mistake again. But I did uh, get the dress all nice and steamed. It looked great. I just fucked myself. Yeah, I uh, to be honest with you, I probably would have done the exact same thing. I probably would have wiped it with my sleeve too, thinking I'm safe. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just wipe it with like, you know, and it was like a quick, it was literally like half a second. It wasn't like I held it there, you know, to wipe it off. And it burned the shit out of my arm in like within half a second. It was insane. I will never underestimate a closed steamer ever again <laughs> never gonna underestimate it yeah no that look that honestly looks like it hurts bad bad it fucking hurts like uh, i uh, i have very sensitive hands and so whenever i'm cooking or anything i always touch the hot wrong hot shit and it just makes me immediately pissed off i'm always like the one like reaching under like the oven to grab shit and my girlfriend is always bitching at me to stop reaching near hot surfaces because i have burned myself multiple times but it's just like i said on our uh festive friday if you're a dude you just somehow like testing your limits with fire like you everybody at some point just wants to see how close they can get to fire start shit on fire whatever um all right marissa what is your mulligan of the week i'm, I'm stoked for this this is marissa's first mulligan of the week we are adding her into this segment here I'll be quick. Um, so I have a lot of issues or mistakes that happen when I go to the gym. <laughs> I think that's like my place where I tend to make a fool out of myself. Um, and I'm pretty Just confident. Just public eyes on you possible? Huh, huh? Just the most people in public like watching you. That's where you fuck right. up the most. Exactly. So I have like a watch band and I've already told Spencer the story, but I have like a watch band that's a little like like loose and i need to change it but i've just been too lazy to do it so i saw it one day before i was going to the gym and i was like ah it's like whatever it's fine you know i'll just ignore it and not worry about it so i'm like at the gym doing pull-ups and you know how they have like the hook to like for your hands to hold on but it kind of goes into like a hook shape on some like pull-up bars somehow my arm got or the band got wrapped around that hook so I'm doing these pull-ups and then I realize that I'm getting tired and that I need to drop down so that I can take a break, but I'm hooked on this like hook and I'm not <laughs> tall enough to touch my feet to the ground. So I'm just hanging there. And I also realize that I can't get my hand, my other hand up there to take the watch off. So I'm just stuck there and I'm like flinging my legs around trying to like grasp onto anything I possibly can to pull myself back up but I can't so this man who I see at the gym all the time he's like late 50s but also like super like huge like kind of like roided out is seeing me struggle and also panic and like (laughs) a baby like Sawyer he like picks me up and like unhooks me from 
this like hook and he puts me down he even pats me on the head and tells me i saw you struggling he goes i just want to make sure you're okay sweetie it was literally the most embarrassing thing and there were like five other people watching me struggle but like no one wanted to help and of course it's all men and i'm sure their like whole thing was like i don't want to creep her out but i was like terrified i was actually scared and i was stuck and i was like my arm's gonna rip off like i hope this thing breaks so i had to get oh, a new you know a new band but that that was really embarrassing i could have gone my whole life with having you know having to be picked up like a five-year-old so well first of all uh humble brag that you're just casually doing pull-ups like i haven't done a pull-up in probably a decade so that's you just saying that you just hammering out pull-ups like it's your job that's kind of bullshit um but yeah that does sound that what a weird position for that dude to be in like this day and age you never know you know he could have a you could be filing a lawsuit against him this week but you're a normal human being so i'm glad you just accepted your accepted the help and were able to get off that pull-up bar <laughs> it's amazing i went home right away i was like i'm done yeah it's like the equivalent of like when you are benching by yourself and you're maybe a little much a little too much weight or you've like done you're trying to do 10 reps and you've done eight and you're like oh i don't know if my arms are going to get up for the next one sometimes the adrenaline just pushes you through but sometimes you're like ah, not worth this fucking sticking on my chest and just start yelling <laughs> not worth it see that's why i said the why well, in our uh Jesus, I can't fucking talk anymore. We need to finish up. Uh, but that's why I like using machines rather than free weights, because generally speaking, you know, there's some way out. If you have too much weight or whatever, you can get out of there on a machine. But when you have free weight, if you're benching, squatting, whatever, you're just fucking hosed. Yeah. Like you might die. <laughs> Absolutely hosed might be the last day of your life. Well, we appreciate you guys all tuning into this edition of Big Drive Energy. Check us out this coming Friday for festive friday we hope you guys have a great rest of your week follow us on all the socials at big drive energy pod on instagram at big drive energy on the twitter i am at big drive spence he is at big drive mitch marissa is at sias marissa 11 wow look at that um tagging her enough tweets i've got it memorized at this point follow all of us um we hope you have a great weekend Tune in to Festive Friday presented by Breck Distillery. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.